Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And welcome to No Church Answers, uh, podcast number 298. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, boom! Not sure where you ended up, but find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And that's where we're at. This is a Christian roundtable discussion for men, and we're glad you're here. We're just a bunch of fellas that are out meeting daily challenges just like you. But what we're doing is we're having this podcast that is a weekly discussion about faith, and we're glad that you're joining us as well. We're coming back from this uh, little summer break, and we hope that you've had an opportunity to do a little uh, summer vacation, rest and relaxation, maybe with your family. And uh, so we're glad that you're tuning back in. This is going to be a brand new study. Uh, the producer re- recommended this. It's simply Jesus. It's a new vision of who he was, what he did, and why he matters. And that is by N.T. Wright. And so with that... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just introduce the panel at this point. I'm going to start with, he is a former world-class policy writer. He is a current professional gambler, also the show's producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Yo, Steve. And he is a former prosecutor, an attorney, and uh, kind of the group historian. We call him the judge. It's Michael Cropper. Hi, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. And also kind of the group theologian. He is a industrial strength teacher, talent development trainer, the professor Robert Koshu. Hey, Robert. Robert. And my name is Bill Cox, basically a uh, writer, indie filmmaker, contractor, uh, and host. And with that, uh, I am going to go ahead and... Uh, Get a quick intro. Start with uh, our producer, Steve Titch. Uh, Thanks, Bill. As If you've tuned in over the summer, we did a summer special where I talked about a seminar by N.T. Wright, and that's kind of what fueled the selection of this book and Wright's whole approach to really understanding Christianity and being a Christian in today's world. And really here he we go back to the the man himself, Jesus, in this in this study. Uh, again, his subtitle is who he was. Why? Why is he important? And really, what was he all about? And with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in and read the scriptures <laughs> and come back to the fellows. Zechariah 9, 9 through 11. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, 
I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. And now Luke 4, 16 through 20. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he had anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Those are uh, the two readings that we're going to go ahead and uh, focus on. And I'm going to get the more intro info from, uh, start with Professor. So, N.T. Wright is one of the preeminent scholars of the day. I, I highly encourage you, if you want some good background, go listen to the Ben Babbitt conversation that Steve uh, mentioned earlier, where Steve went to the seminar and I kind of interviewed him and discussed it. But this is going to be fun because there is a lot of focus on this subject right now. Who was Jesus? Who is Jesus? What part of the world did Jesus play in this? And if you want, and I'm kind of crossing my fingers and hopefully not tipping, but go watch The Chosen. If you want a really good, dramatized, I will freely admit, but accurate version of the politics at play in this. This is one of those points in human history that honestly is very similar to today. And I think that's what's going to make this a really, really relevant study because Jesus came into a world that was similar to the world we live in and he set that world on its edge. And so this is going to be something we're going to enjoy and have a lot of fun with. Michael Cropper. Yeah, I'm, the scripture reading that... that uh, Bill gave it the last moment there. Luke 4, 16 through 20. I'm going to repeat that, folks, for a minute. There's a reason for that. Uh, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. This is Jesus, again, reading from the prophet Isaiah and the section. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and to recover sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. And finally, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is Isaiah speaking again. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the tenant, and, and I guess he, he took it over and, and put it away. But anyway, so the eyes of the congregation are looking at Jesus, and it says, he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I would like to hear what the rest of his saying was. I would like to hear the rest of his preaching. Because that just tells us he's making a statement as a teacher that's going to talk about this section. I would love to hear what else he said to them. Today, 
the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing, and I will show you signs to follow. But he doesn't say that, but I'm just assuming that, folks. Now, as, as Steve has said, Robert has said, Bill has said, the name of the book we're going to look at is called Simply Jesus. And the name indicates a focus on the Son of God and not anything else. However, the book is about everything else. <laughs> and the author explodes, right, guys, the author explodes and co explores the culture and the government influences on Jesus at the time and everyone living around him. So, and then he asks these questions. This is from the first few lines of his prologue, introducing us. He says, the author struggles with balancing Jesus of history and also Jesus of faith. And then the author talks of difficult questions. He's, he gets asked all the time. By the way, he's a pastor, folks, and he's from Great Britain. He's, uh, he's in a church in, in England. And he says, so another question that he gets faced with is, what, does, what was God doing before creation? Or the answer is, he says, the answer is like driving a car straight ahead. It can be difficult because the road is not straight or may not be straight. So he finally admits this, and I, and, and I agree with this completely. He says, writing the book, Simply Jesus was not simple. <laughs> I know. Excellent. Steve Titch. Yeah, well, we're, we're going to cover it today, in today's podcast, probably going to take the biggest chunk. We're going to cover pretty much all of part one of the book, which is the first 56 pages. But really, it's right is there. He's kind of setting out his whole plan for what he's going to cover, and the uh, the two the two readings we did he cites in those sections and um, and uh, I, I left this out but another important one is Psalm two, but the point Wright's going to start with is that Jesus, God Jesus is God and he is King ruler of all creation, and way back in in the first century in in thirty A D in his ministry. He is inaugurating that kingdom, and he is making no bones about it. And this is where Wright talks to today's Christians. Jesus was not walking around just saying a lot of nice things. He was, he was really, he, he as we said, he, he was, the, the Pharisees would ultimately see him as an existential threat because he is now saying, I am king I am here to inaugurate God's kingdom, and that's why we've, we've cho I chose, we, I think Wright chooses the, the two readings we used are, are not only just messianic prophecies, but they're prophecies that bring up the idea that there's a new king. And this is the, the promised king of creation that will set things right. And uh, the, the use of Zechariah, Jesus did not, did not just come upon a, a cult or a donkey by accident, and get on it and ride into Jerusalem. He knew exactly what he was doing. And that's a lot of Wright's points, and that's, that's really the starting point. Jesus is king, and Jesus knew it, and Jesus was very, very proactive about sending that message. And Wright, and, and, I mean, we're, we're distanced by it by 2,000 years, but as we go through the study, we'll see the parables, the remarks, the, the things that Jesus says, and especially the things Jesus does, including the healings, all point to, in Wright's opinion, just prove he's God. Uh, and right up to the resurrection, 
uh, which which we'll work our way to. But really, that's the central point that that Jesus is God, the King of all creation, and is active in this world. He's not sitting up on a throne, you know. You know, we're ready to greet us when we die. He is active, and this is why it's, this is this is why it's going to be a, a fun and challenging study. And excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors Pastors and church church leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is podcast number 298. It's No Church Answers. This is, uh, we're starting a brand new study, Simply Jesus by N.T. Wright. And what we're diving into is Jesus, looking uh, at Jesus through the first century lens. And go ahead ahead and pick up a discussion and uh, professor. So it's, what I find interesting is N.T. Wright starts with Jesus as Bill, as Steve was saying, Jesus is universal key and universal incarnate word, which, you know, as, as our listeners and as my panelists know, kind of chuckled my heart because John 1 is my go-to Christmas verse. At one point, the God of the universe, the God that literally went light and bam, there was light. Land, there was land. Uh, animals. You know, and there was, I mean, that's all he had to do, to speak the word and it happened. That God said, hmm, I think I'm going to go become a human being. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to do it in a, in a totally humble way. I'm going to find a probably 13 to 14 year old girl. I'm going to cause her to become pregnant without ever having relations with a man. I'm going to ensure that this one guy who is from the right genealogy of David is going to become her husband, and he's going to have the man-upness of it all to say, I'll take that child and raise him as my own child as a stepfather in a backwater country that we'll address in a moment that is literally at the crossroads of the world because of where it is. And gotcha. then he's going to go around and his Mike likes to talk. This is kind of a culmination of all of our stuff. As Mike likes to talk about, he goes around tweaking the Pharisees. Like, I think he, I'm kind of like Mike, I think he kind of enjoyed it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because if you ever really study, and this is the radicalness that we'll get into, Jesus' worst words were not for the woman who was caught in adultery. The woman at the well who had had five husbands, Peter who had temper, the tax collector, the sinner. He partied and hung out with all those guys. The Pharisees? 
his kindest words to them were probably you brew the vipers. And it kind of went down from there. Well, that's, that's why, I mean, I think you're too gentle. I mean, when you say he tweaked them, he oh, was very, and as, as right, actually, I realize this as you read right, he was very yeah. purposeful. He was oh. deliberately, oh. as we like to say, deliberately provocative. Oh. Um, with, with and, Absolutely. And, and this is, and, and I mean, talk about speaking truth to power. I mean, this, this, this Nazarene yeah. is walking yeah. up to them and yes, saying you brood of vipers. Yeah. This is this isn't and this isn't they, the nice and, and Jesus. Trap him, he always turns it back on them. <laughs> yes, and, and it, it, it's one of those mm-hmm. deals where the the beauty of this really is all of that, and then the end verse, the end of mm-hmm. it, where basically they, you know, Caiaphas does the whole. One man has to die for the good of the nation. Otherwise, we're going to revolt. Rome's going to come in and kill him. Blah, 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 blah. I honestly don't think Rome cared a whit about mm-hmm. Jesus. You know, I think they probably investigated it. Mm-hmm. The chosen's kind of delving into yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And they kind of went, he's a backwater preacher. He's not even trying to overthrow us. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he tends to hit more on their Jewish leaders than anybody else. But, you know, Pilate being whatever, y'all can crucify him. You know, or I'll crucify him for you, basically. Mm-hmm. I'll deal with your problem. And then the validation of all the work at the end with the resurrection. This is going to be an in-depth study of this mm-hmm. from a cultural, historical perspective. It's going to be really interesting. And, and Wright's perspective is so different than some of the other, I'm going to use the word, big theologians of the day, John Dominic Russell, I've read some of his works, and I'll probably bring some in just because it'll, it'll be a really nice contrast to look at him, who, who did some of the early historical, or some of the early work of the historical Jesus versus the Bible Jesus. N.T. Wright stays with the historical Jesus. He just keeps all the good stuff along with it. Do you want to? So, yeah, Mike, well, I, I want to talk about uh, right, Mike. I'm going I'm to prompt Mike, you on this. Um, the per, you know, he, he, oh, yeah, Wright talks on. about the perfect storms. <laughs> okay. So go ahead and you want me to talk about? Got, the yeah, storm? yeah, and and the two perfect storms. But what if? Well, we can come back to that if you not. <laughs> All right. All right. So, so Steve's author here tells us there are is a perfect storm brewing here when Jesus comes in. Now again, we don't know why jo- God chose this time. For Jesus to be warm, but He knows, and one day maybe we we may ask Him when we get to heaven. And maybe one, the, of the yes, like, yeah, one of those yes, one of those things where you, where you wonder. But uh, but the the Israelites, the Jewish people, the leaders are being antagonized and they're being oppressed by Rome. This is the the perfect storm has at least three three forces that are affecting it, and one of them happened in this case. The author calls it the Roman oppression. And he says, because of the oppression from the Rome is so great, the the Jewish leaders and the Jewish people are crying out to God to deliver them again, like Egypt, right? Like he did from Egypt. And they want a Messiah to come. There's all sorts of scriptures that support this, folks, that, in fact, God may answer their prayer and send a Messiah, okay? And, and may deliver them. In fact, one of the scripture readings that Bill just read says that God will send a king, right? Daughter Zion, and he will send a king to you who is righteous and victorious, but wait, 
he's lowly and he's riding on a donkey. <laughs> King riding on a donkey. And the, the, oh, the, yes, yeah, this is, this is Jew, the Jewish people, they're looking for Messiah, and the Messiah is a king. He's going to be a king. He's referred to all through the Old Testament. And uh, and so the the scripture here from Zechariah, folks, Zechariah is in the Old Testament. This is not a New Testament uh, statement from one of the people that was with Jesus. He says this guy is going to be lowly, riding a donkey, a foal, and a colt, and and he will in fact proclaim peace to the nations, and his rule will extend from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, he says, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. So this Zechariah is telling us this deliver, this great deliver of God, is not going to be a king that he may conquer, he may come and conquer, but his ultimate kingdom will be peaceful right? He will be peace, and it will extend over the entire world. Now, the reason I went to that, Steve mentioned that, the, the, uh, the other people, so you got, you've got the perfect storm, and you've got west coming from Rome, you've got north coming from the, the Jewish people who are complaining and, to God and asking him to send a Messiah that's going to deliver them from the oppression of Rome, and then I forget who the third Jesus. is. No, Jesus is the final yeah, guy. Yeah, the guy, the, the, the individual who shows up, and and this is the I, I would say, but but and what what Wright makes a point to say that that from Rome, Rome, and and maybe to answer the question, it, it was a very interesting time in history. Rome, the Roman Empire was pretty much at its height. Augustus was emperor when Jesus was born. He was the, the census and all that. He was the first Roman emperor. Tiberius was emperor by the time Jesus began his ministry, and he had proclaimed Augustus a god. So now began the progression that, who you know, the Roman emperors were all going to be deities. And already Tiberius, probably in the outer provinces, was being worshipped as a god. So the god, our god is Caesar, the, the, who's also the political leader. Then in, in, in Judea and occupied what is, you know, occupied what is, what is Israel in the Middle East today and Palestine, um, you have, you have Herod, Herod Antipas, who, who called himself the king of the Jews. He was the son of Herod the Great, who we, we've talked about in the past was rebuilding the temple. I, I kind of think Herod Antipas had a little bit of reflected glory on him or reflected kingdom, but no doubt he, he was king of the Jews. There was nobody else. And you had the Pharisees as the religious, religious leaders, their control. Um, they, they pretty much decided, you know, what was right before God, what was righteous. And so into this mix, in comes Jesus with his very bizarre discussion of this kingdom of heaven, where on the one hand, he seems to be talking about like in the Beatitudes, this distant time, place, whatever. On the other hand, he's healing people. He's doing things in the here and now and at the time. He's, he's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's, he's silencing the storm. He's doing all this and then, then doing things like connecting himself with the Isaiah prophecies of the Messiah, with the Son of Man from, from Daniel, and as you mentioned, Zechariah, this idea of a king, of a lowly king. And so uh, 
Yet he's attracting. There's no doubt that this is a. He's, he's hitting a nerve somewhere. You touched on something that's really kind of humorous. There were actually three Caesars. It was Julius Caesar, and he was murdered. His stepson was Octavian, who adopted the name Augustus, right? And he said, Dad, Julius Caesar was divine. Mm -hmm. I know yes, Robert knows yes. all this. Yeah. He was divine. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I am the Son of God. <laughs> exactly. Right? And then, and, then, and then he moved on, died, and his son Tiberius mm -hmm. took over and said, yes, my dad and my grandfather were divine. Therefore, I am mm -hmm. the second Son of God. And here comes mm -hmm. Jesus on the scene, and you have John the Baptist mm -hmm. introducing him and, and saying, I am the prophet who is going to introduce the most high God. His dad, in fact, said, uh, John, you child will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. So, um, Jesus comes on the scene and John identifies him, behold, the Lamb of God, and he identifies him as the Son of God. And then Peter identifies him as the Son of God. Jesus never says, I'm the Son of God. His works bear him out. And I think when Pilate asks him about that, he says, are you the Son of God? Are you a king? He says, you say that I am. But the point is, he throws, he, this is humorous to me because mm -hmm. here he is coming in as a king and a Messiah, and he is identified mm -hmm. with the Son of God. You got Tiberius here. Who's yes, the other who is the other Son of God? Exactly. <laughs> but so really who's the, who's the real one? But yeah. I'm gonna I'm going yeah, to yeah. just just tweak it there because because what that's what you said there. I do not want to give the other side. I I don't think in Scripture he actually says I am the Son of God. I don't think he does either. But he that's used. Die. That's he does. He does not. Okay, he but that's not. used, that's used. I, I hear, oh, he's a great teacher. He we never said he yeah, was yeah. the son of God. Yeah. However, as, as Wright points out, he, I, he, he calls himself the son of man. Yeah, that, that's a correct. loaded word. That's a very well. <laughs> you go back to Daniel. I will see the son of man descending on a cloud. I mean, there, there is, I mean, that is, that is from it, the, you know, kind of, you might say, Daniel's, the Old Testament book of Revelation, you know, right. this, this, right. this final culmination. You know, the whole, the I am the vine, you are the branches. Those, those who have seen the Father, if, those who have seen the Son have seen the Father. Yeah. All of that. And, and finally, at his trial, um, he, he, they ask him flat out, are you the Son of God? And he says, it is as you say. Right. Not, not you know, what you think out of the old translation. Yeah. It is as you say. Which, yeah. which, which, is a, which, which the high priest takes as absolute blasphemy. He tear, tears his clothes. But so... So so yes so I oh, think so I think he is, is he is yes but <laughs> but he, but getting back to what you're saying yes so so he's putting himself and in, in direct in direct opposition to you know conventional you know political acceptable politically correct let's call it that way <laughs> notions and right. and which which um which again Wright talks about that you can't just leave Jesus in the spiritual realm that that he had a political component to to his ministry, and but again, it was not necessarily the same as the kings and the emperors and the priests of the time. But it it is it it is. I guess it starts to beg the question of okay, if Jesus is king, what does that mean for us as Christians and citizens of this kingdom? Excellent. Let me end this real quick, though, with Psalm two: "The one enthroned in heaven laughs; the Lord scoffs at him." 
Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter, and you will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry, and he be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. If that's not the most threatening scripture, <laughs> if you're a king and a leader in this world, then I don't know what it is. And that's really what sets up the whole perfect storm we're talking about. Phil? And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our second break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Bill Cox, Director of Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy doing it. But our ministry needs your support if we are to continue to bring our TV show, our podcast, our live shows to men seeking spiritual refreshment. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Get more details at our page on patreon.com. If you would like to support us directly, you can make a contribution through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. All contributions are tax deductible. We're not pastors, just regular guys. So whether you're successful or struggling, we hope to bring you the good news of God's saving grace as we share our own spiritual journeys. Please consider supporting Man Up and No Church Answers today. And welcome back, everybody. This is No Church Answers. We're starting out the Simply Jesus study uh, on the text by N.T. Wright, talking about uh, what does this mean for us Christians today? Um, as we're looking through the perfect storm and at Jesus through the first century lens. Michael Cropper. Wow, great question. If you're a Jew today, you still are waiting for the Messiah, right? You're still looking for that great deliverer who is going to deliver them from oppression. In fact, the author talks about going through the ultra-orthodox section of Jerusalem when he's visiting there in 1989. And he says, I walk through that section, and he says there's two distinct messages that are created throughout the the neighborhood. He said one is Hitler and the hatred for him because he killed millions of Jews. And then there is a second one that proclaims the day of the Messiah that they are still looking for. So Hitler is placed on that level as evil, period. He represents all the evil that the and the oppression that the Jews went through and and all those days in the past, and then there is still the hope of the Messiah to come and deliver them as God did through Moses from Egypt. So, Bill? Excellent. Uh, Steve Titch? Wright draws an analogy of from you know the, the ancient times, from the time of Jesus, to now, and, and essentially said there's a perfect storm going on now. And that's pretty evident, certainly if you're living in the U.S. right now, 
that that American Christianity, especially, it's got kind of the, the skeptical side, which is kind of a I'll give I'll use my words a namby pamby Christianity of oh well some of this is true some of it is not I don't know I I think I don't believe in the resurrection I just think it's symbolic of 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 the joy that comes when we make a positive change in our life a rebuild. It's a, it's a um, psychology yes and then then on the other side and that's one stum- and and but but and seriously what what you've got maybe to to to, to take to and we should take it a little more seriously it's just the idea that you know god's there we're here and someday we'll die and go to heaven but nothing much really matters god doesn't get involved in here and we really have to take the bible as a bunch of stories maybe and some moral direction from it but there's plenty of other sources we can use as well on the other side you got the conservative side which is basically we don't question well, and 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 Okay, well, but let me let me let me just keep those broad strokes, and but but because the important stuff to get to the real important stuff, the more constructive stuff, is that the third storm, analogous to Jesus entering the scene in in first century uh, Palestine, is the people really who have true testimony, uh, who you'll find at your church, who you'll find working at hospitals, who who see, and you know. Perceive, I could say perceive, because you can always, you know, rationalize it away. But who perceive God's action every day, healings, uh, uh, especially healings in hospitals that 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 nobody can explain, um, uh, things, assistance coming at the last minute, uh, so many so many things that you can ascribe to coincidence. But I've t- I've we talked about some some years past after my accident that everybody has a near miss story. But I think around the world now, and this is where I think the revival is coming from, is just a, an understanding of the way God is working in this world, and that's why they say the best testimonies come from experience because they can't be argued with. And that's why neither the conservative or the skeptical side likes to deal with those people. Oh, that's the nice little old lady who had cancer and then it was gone. Oh, hi, uh, let's go. <laughs> because I don't want to, and, but what, I mean, I, I do not, speaking of Beverly, that was, that was a pretty scary time yet. That she's recovered now we can say it was good doctors good radiation but there might have been a touch of the divine there uh it's quality nursing that i <laughs> that, that so, i did but but anyway that's where we are today and also it's 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 uh so and 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 we won't answer this now but I, again the question comes back we as christians should be acknowledging jesus as our king and the king of all creation Honest, and what does that what does that mean? Where do we take that? I, honestly, uh, you know that's really interesting uh, that we're starting off with a study. It's a lot deeper than <laughs> I ever go with my faith. <clears throat> and I can tell you one thing though: you may be out there like me. You might be a guy of routine, just basically goes through, and your life is pretty pretty standard. Everything is, you know. You you use the same coffee mug every day, and you oversugar it every day. You because you just do the same thing. It's your routine. Where Christianity does make a difference, though, is this. Like I've said many times, it's a crisis religion. 
you see someone that needs help bad. I don't care if it's a fire, if it's a car accident, it's someone random about ready to get run over, someone is about to experience financial ruin, and you know what's going to happen, and then you see the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, and you make that sacrifice for someone who didn't that you don't even know and that's why i always feel that like when as we go in to these kind of studies it makes me wary when people say live the victorious life well my my life isn't victorious all the time as a matter of fact a lot of times my life is kind of crappy but there's moments when i have to really step up in ways that i would not step up and that's when I feel like the faith and Jesus lives through me. As we're coming down to the end of this podcast number 298, going to go around the room and get some, uh, some final comments about what uh, some of the fellows are looking forward to with this study. Uh, Michael Cropper, uh, insight on the starting of the new study uh, and takeaways from you. I don't have an insight on this. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> forget yes, that, folks. You do. I do have. I do have. Yeah, yeah. No. Wait, wait. I ask myself, what's the purpose? Why was Je- Why did Jesus come again? And sometimes we can overlook the obvious. Bill read the scripture, but it's very simple, folks. Jesus came to earth to preach the good news, to give people an understanding of the kingdom of God and the eternal hope that they had through Him. And Jesus particularly delighted in doing this among the impoverished, the weak, the hurting of the rejected in society. And, and as Robert reminded us, to needle the Pharisees. And uh, God constantly repeat, repeated the righteous living was to help the orphan, the widow, heal the sick, and feed the poor. And then Jesus goes extreme detail to that on the Sermon on the Mount. But uh, is, is he God? Yes, absolutely. The guys have addressed this. Steve has addressed this. Robert. Uh, Daniel 7.4 says, He is the one who had the everlasting dominion. And Robert's favorite scripture, John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, he has the everlasting dominion. He has a kingship that wouldn't, will never be destroyed. And then that claim can never be in any sense of the word, and indeed any in the ancient sense, merely just a religious claim. It involves everything, folks. And like I said, this is not just simply about Jesus. It's going to be about everything. It involves power, politics, culture, family. It catches up the religious meanings, including personal spirituality and transformation, philosophical ones, including ethics and worldview. But it places... All of these within a larger vision that can be stated quite simply saying, God is now in charge, and he is in charge in and through Jesus. That is a vision that explains what Jesus did and said, and what happened to Jesus and what his followers subsequently did and said, and what happened to them also. This was quoted, I quote this from page 55 of the, the book, Simply Jesus. Uh-huh. Bill? Steve. Excellent, Steve. 
Yes, um, and, and I thought this was going to be a fairly, uh, one of N.T. Wright's easier books to do. Uh, and I think it still is. Um, I'm, I'm excited uh, about something. it. something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, to, to kind of finish what, you know, wrap up what you're saying, Mike, uh, uh, this, the grand sum of things is that Jesus is much, much more than a, a transfigured heavenly entity sitting on a throne. Um, is... Uh, is the world redeemed from sin and are we reconciled to God by the work of the cross? Yes, but that's not all. Uh, through Christ's death, death and resurrection, we have the promise of eternal life. Yes, but that's not all. Yes, and we are to love and serve others and use our gifts to lead people to God, but that's not all. It's that God is king. And you know, this isn't where it starts. This is Wright's beginning. And I, you know, I hear all my old dorm voices coming back. Oh, well, you remember, uh, you know, there were a whole lot of people contending for being a Messiah in those days. Well, Wright talks about them. And we'll get to talk about the, you know, who are the contenders and why aren't they the Messiah? And also the bigger question of all, which I think we're going to get into in the next few weeks is, okay, if God indeed is in charge of the world, why is Hawaii burning down? Why is there war in the Ukraine? Why is there so much damage, suffering, and evil in this world? Uh, why, why hasn't the lion laid down with the lamb, which, you know, supposedly is prophesied? Uh, where is this peace, this peaceable kingdom? And Wright's going to talk about that. And that's, you know, this, this is going to be good. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is No Church Answers, podcast number 298. On behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu. My name is Bill Cox. Thanks so much for tuning in. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So make sure that you listen, review us, and we'll see you next time. I want to encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go participate. Find a small group fellowship like what we have here and find one that is men only. And don't take any church answers. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content.